Welcome to Dream Business Radio, the place to create your dream business now. Get ready for some inspiration, some encouragement, some proven business building strategies, and a couple of new ideas that you haven't even thought of. It's time to leave slow and steady as she goes to the other entrepreneurs, because this program is all about speed and fast results. And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer. Good afternoon, everybody. I am Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach. I'm the founder of the Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program, creator of No Hassle Newsletters, the Done For You Newsletter Program used by over 1,200 small business owners. I'm also the host of Dream Business Radio, my weekly podcast created to help you build your dream business. This is episode 570. My special guest this week is franchise strategist extraordinaire. I'm putting that word in there. April Porter. April, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, really excited to have you on. Hey, be before we jump in, folks, this episode of Dream Business Radio is brought to you by the Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program. If you're an entrepreneur who wants to grow a more profitable business faster, if you're looking to create multiple streams of revenue, you want to check out this extraordinary virtual mastermind led by me, Captain Jim Palmer at dreambizcoaching.com, dreambizcoaching.com. By the way, at the end of the show, I'm going to tell you how you can get all of my books for free in digital download from Amazon. Yes, I figured that out. Super, super big deal to get something for free on Amazon. At the end of the show, I am going to show you that. One thing I want to um, show you right now. So actually, actually, just yesterday, we released a new ebook, the top three benefits of creating your own virtual mastermind. Over the last 13 years, I've perfected how to do this virtually, and I detail exactly how I did that. You can get a copy of this report at lucrativevirtualmastermind.com, lucrativevirtualmastermind.com. All right, let me introduce April. We'll dive right in. I'm super excited because not only is, is uh, she a franchise expert, and I used to be in the franchise business, but she's a great business building expert as well. So Officially, April Porter is a franchise empire building strategist, an award-winning multi-unit franchisee, attorney, and CEO of Ask April Porter. April has been named a top influencer in the global franchising industry. She hosts the number one franchise podcast on Apple, The Infinite Franchise Show, and she received the Chairman's Award for Distinguished Service to the Franchise Industry from the AAFD. April fills the gap. That's an expression I want you to think how many times we're going to use that. April fills the gap between the franchise model and the ultimate success by providing franchisees the strategies needed to increase profits, build reliable teams, and scale to multiple locations. Bringing underperforming franchisees to top performers and top performers to multi-unit owners. So that's what every franchisee wants to reach a life of a swag, as they say, sanity, wealth, and gratitude. So April, once again, welcome to Dream Business Radio. Thank you so much. So, you know, when we met, I was really excited. I told you, um, as I tell most people, I think I'm up, up to 160 uh, applications to be on the show, which is weekly. So there's only so many. So, but I, I, I saw, ask April Port. I was a little intrigued. Then I saw the franchise business. I spent probably five years helping to grow a, uh, a brand new franchise to 80 units. So I kind of dug in. And then when we met, I was like, holy crap, you've got such an amazing story. Um, because <laughs> you're, you're, here's if you haven't seen my interviews yet, you're going to know, God, Jim's questions are like this long. But anyway, so 
I, I, I was telling you right before we went on the air, a lot of people that listen to the show for 10 years love the inspiration and the journey as much as the, the great tips and strategies. So tell us a little bit about your background. How did you get to be um, where you are today? Because I mentioned attorney and all kinds of things. Yeah, um, it is a little bit of a kind of maze, I guess, as to how I got where I am. And it's so funny because people will say, oh, you have such an interesting story. And I think that um, when you hear that as a business owner, many times you take, you don't really acknowledge or recognize how much you've done because you lived it, right? It's like, oh, it's not that interesting to me. It's just was getting up every morning, <laughs> you know, yeah. doing what needed to be done. But um so I started my career as an assistant prosecuting attorney, also known as district attorney in some areas. And I, my specialty was prosecuting crimes of um, violent nature. So it was all sexual mm. assaults, child abuse, and homicides. And when you say prosecute, you're in the courtroom prosecuting the bad people. Yes. Wow. Yes. Yeah. So I, I was in trial all the time. Um, because people, those particular cases, people don't want to plead guilty to, even if they are guilty, yep. because obviously you're going to spend the rest of your life in prison and everyone's going to know that you did that mm -hmm. your family and friends. So, um, so I did a lot, I had a lot of trials and, um, I did that over 10 years. And as you can imagine, um, the subject matter was at times very heavy and, yeah. and, um, stressful and I really loved that job, but I also, um, quite frankly, I had a boss that made life even more difficult. And it was like, ugh, I can't do both, right? I could have a terrible boss with great subject matter or terrible subject matter with a great boss, but ugh, can't do both. Hmm. So that's when I started to look at what's next. But I'll have to tell you, Jim, after being a prosecutor of those types of crimes, the thought of going to sit behind a desk and read contracts as an attorney is just How boring. That would be yeah. mind numbing. Yes. So um, I started to look at what other opportunities were out there. And I saw that um, across the state, cause I'm here in Missouri. So I the Kansas okay. city side friends had opened a new kickboxing gym and man, it looked fun. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I would go, I would be a member at that gym if it existed here in St. Louis. And one thing led to another. And I found I started to look into franchising it and found out we could be the first and only one here in St. Louis. Oh wow. And so um, had you kickboxed before, or is this just <laughs> something that was interesting to you? No, I had. I had kickboxed before and I grew up um, a competitive dancer which it's very similar. You know, mm -hmm. you have to know where every piece of your body is and, and be very strong and those types of things. And I had taught dance and then transitioned into teaching fitness. So I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. You know, we have a million side gigs before yes. we really jump into business ownership. Um, so yeah, so that's what led me to the kickboxing. And so we looked at the opportunity and I looked at where I wanted that business to take me. Mm -hmm. And I realized that a single unit or a single location, yes, it would be fun, but it wouldn't really take us to the income that we wanted right. or, or real freedom. So we decided with no business experience to sign three franchise agreements. And at the time I did it thinking, well, that's the whole point of a franchise, right? I open one, then the franchisor is going to teach me how to be a business owner. Sure. 
And then that didn't turn out to be the case. Were, were you um, still a assistant district attorney and doing this on the side or did you leave that? I, I, I signed the agreements. I left the prosecutor's office. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I also took a municipal judgeship. So, <laughs> so I was a municipal judge for seven years and I did that in the evening mm -hmm. and grew my kickboxing gyms the rest of the time. Oh my gosh. You know, it, it occurs to me when you're, when you're um, prosecuting all these horrible crimes, I, a, a good friend of mine uh, was an oncology nurse for like 15 or 18 years and ultimately left because just every day was mm -hmm. that, that must've been very difficult. I would think unless you, I don't want to say you enjoyed putting people in jail, but I mean, those are some horrific crimes, right? Uh, the difficult part. Yes. The difficult part was not putting people in jail, although that may sound callous. Mm -hmm. Um, it's because my job was literally meeting with victims and making them recount what was probably oh, yeah. the worst time of their lives. Mm -hmm. And then I knew that if I put them on the stand, there was going to be a defense attorney who was trying to convince 12 people sitting in the jury box that that person was just a pure liar. Mm -hmm. And so now not only do I have to make them relive it, but I have to allow the defense attorney to basically paint a picture of them as a liar. And then I have to try to overcome that. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so that, and then even if we won, like when we would get guilty verdicts, a lot of times the judge would not put a sentence in place that felt like it, true justice was being served. Right. You know? So it just was a lot of like, it didn't feel like, we were on necessarily the good side of things at the yeah. end of the day. Was your, um, just curious if your parents were, because I've interviewed so many people, whether they put themselves through school, mom and dad helps, they come out with their CPA degree. Yeah, I don't want to be an accountant. I don't like numbers. I think I'm going to be a trained engineer or something. I don't know where I came up with that. Where, so you go and you be a very successful prosecutor and all this and that, and now you're going to run a kickboxing gym. What did your family think? Um, well, I was very fortunate where, um, my, I had a lot of scholarships that got me through school. So there gotcha. wasn't a whole lot of judgment around me not using my degree. Um, and my dad is very entrepreneurial. Um, he, my parents owned a restaurant, uh, mm. when they first got married and, and it was a franchise. And then, um, my dad ended up starting his own business later in life as well. So he, of course, had a lot of advice to give, more so sure. than judgment. Yep. <laughs> um, I'm sure he was rallying in your corner from the entrepreneurial spirit. So yeah. Um, so 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 April. So you hope you you sign a deal for three, not just one, and we'll see how it goes. You sign for three, and as much as it takes hourly wise and energy wise to get into business for yourself, you say, well, I'm going to be a judge at night. <laughs> you know, I'm sure there's rent to be paid. So you, so you're a judge. When did you sleep? What was that like? Um, well, I'll tell you for the first three months, I don't, I don't, I think I was sleeping on my feet with my eyes open, yeah. to be honest. It was um, the only thing I can compare it to, and I don't have any children, but it, it seemed like we had a newborn uh, with the amount of exhaustion I felt. But luckily for us, uh, I keep saying us because technically my husband had signed the agreements, but really he worked another job and didn't have okay. anything to do with the business. Um, 
But within three months, um, we were profitable in our first location. And then I started hiring. And that's when I was able to start um, pulling back a little bit. But it was at that moment that I was like, oh, okay, I, I, I don't know how I'm going to be in three places at once, right? Yeah. When I was reading your bio, uh, way more than I read, but I knew I'd get it anyway, get during the interview. Anyway, there was a point where you discovered that a lot of franchisees, and by, by the way, folks, franchisee is the franchise operator, franchisor is the parent company. Um, the franchisees were not successful. So when you, did you realize when you started being successful, maybe you went to regional meetings, national conferences, and people go, oh my God, this sucks. And you're like doing really well. Was that the epitome or? Well, what what had happened is um, as I was getting going in the system, um, the franchisor actually had a PR company that was helping okay. raise brand awareness nationally. And the PR company was calling to put me on um, news segments and specialty interviews and articles were being written about me as one of the successful franchisees. Okay. And then they were asking me to take calls from people who wanted to invest in the franchise and validate that the franchise was working for me. And so all of that was happening. And then, yes, going to the conferences and meeting other franchisees and just talking about what was going on in people's businesses. And then that's when the calls started rolling in from other franchisees, like, ah. you know, five, seven calls a week saying, Hey, will you walk me through what you're doing? You know? Wow. So did, you know, a lot of people that get into the coaching space or whatever name you want to put on it, they have no idea. Never went to coach. I never went to coach university, but you got a certain skill set and you've proved yourself. And that's attractive to other people who kind of want to do what you do. Was that a revelation to you? Like people, what they say, oh, can I buy you a ham sandwich and pick your brain? <laughs> right, that whole expression. But was that like a real eye-opening or there's so many people call them, here you are trying to run your business and people are saying, what are you doing? How can, can you help me? Yeah, that for me was like, when it started to get up to the point where I was spending almost a full day a week on the mm -hmm. phone with franchisees, I that's when I said, you know, I can't do this for free because- I'm running a business and it's taking me away from the business, but if I can leverage it into another revenue stream, that makes sense. Okay. So um, that's when I began holding like workshops with groups of franchisees so that we could get through the content, but then shrink down the amount of time that I was spending on it. You know, I remember um, as a franchisor, you know, it's nice because you want your franchisees to do well, but there's also this line where the franchisor who's collecting a fee of some sort, commission or whatever percentage, whatever you want to call it, they don't want to be, they want to be seen as the smart person, the support. So if you start upstaging the franchisor whom the local franchisees are paying a percentage of their sales, was there any, was that difficult at all for them? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. Um, it wasn't intended to be. In fact, my intention was let me run a couple of these workshops and then I'll take what I'm doing and share it with the corporate office and say, hey, we can help more franchisees. This is what these are the results I've been seeing. Okay. Um, but they didn't necessarily agree with that for exactly what you're you know, saying. And yeah. I find I find that to be true across the board in franchising, which is really what we refer to as the franchising gap. Mm -hmm. And it is systemic in the whole industry. And what it is, is that franchisors, the whole industry for years, it's, it's this belief, this like unspoken rule 
that franchisors provide, quote, everything a person needs to be successful as a business, you know, as a franchisee. And the reality is, is that they provide a proven model. But if you have a person who, you know, their mindset is that of a hobbyist, like, oh, I'm going to keep my full-time job and I'll just dabble in this and it'll suddenly be successful. Or an a mindset of an employee, like, okay, well, I'm going to get in and teach kickboxing all day and it's going to be an empire. Mm -hmm. Well, neither one of those things are going to happen. And the franchisor doesn't have the bandwidth or the budget to go through and say, well, let's figure out where you're at and what you're thinking and how to shift the mindset and what actions you need to put in place specifically to change your leadership style with your team. And so, so that, that's a conversation that, one of my missions is to get us having as an industry saying the franchisor does not provide everything you need to be successful. Mm. They provide a model that works. Right. If you show up as a business owner to work it. Now, it's up to you as a franchisee to bring some business acumen, some leadership skills, some mindset. And if you don't have it, you have to get that somewhere. Now, you were, um, I was also reading, you were. Uh, on the board of the Franchise Advisory Council. You were elected president of the Independent Franchise Association. So obviously you're still in the franchise business when all this was going on. Was it just, don't share too much personal, but was there some sort of a boom when the thing blew up? You said, I've got a jettison and I think I can be a coach and help franchise franchisees. No, actually um, on, it was either our discovery day or our training camp, which discovery day is just a for all the listeners who aren't familiar, it's a day to vet the franchise before you invest in it. But you meet with the corporate office. And then in training camp, we had a meeting with the corporate office. One of those two. The franchisor said, you need to have an exit strategy day one. Mm. And I thought, oh my gosh, I haven't even thought about that. And I'm so grateful that he mentioned it then because that really motivated us to hit our goals um, because we had our eye on the end. So at that moment, I decided I wanted to grow the business for about five, between five and seven years and sell it. Okay. The thinking behind that was that fitness, there's a lot of fitness fads and it was going to get really popular. And then something new was going to come to town and people would see that and want to go try that. And I knew that that was the trend. So I thought if we grow it about five years, we'll probably be at the peak of it. Mm-hmm. And then we'll sell it, and that's exactly what happened. Wow, that's very smart. You know, my daughter uh, Jessica started ten years ago the very first franchise booking agency, so to speak, Interview Connections. And I told her, "Girl, as soon as you prove this concept, you, you're going to have a hundred people copying you," which has happened. Mm-hmm. You know, so and I I do believe in every business you climb, climb, then you're really at the top of the hill. Some can keep climbing, but for the most part, you're here. But everything is going to, you know, come down, whether you go back up or not. It's another thing. So you were smart to recognize. I'm just curious. Most franchise agreements that I've ever seen are like 10 years. So Mm -hmm. you kind of peg the five to seven years as the time when you want to get those your three units as profitable as possible and then sell them. Yes, that's what I was thinking. By the time we were there, we actually owned four units. Okay. Um, But but then also that was enough padding left on our franchise agreement where it would make it attractive to the next buyer because mm-hmm. they wouldn't have to necessarily sign a whole nother 10 years. They could ah. sign and take over our agreement. 
I see. All right. So the sale goes through and when, how many, I was going to say how many months, but I'm going to say how many hours before you came up with the Ask April Porter, <laughs> you know, concept. <laughs> um, you know, it's one of those things I knew. I, I really just wanted to do April Porter coaching or consulting or something like that, but the URL wasn't available. Okay. And um, I wanted it to be at the top of the top of the alphabet. These are tips for anybody who's picking a name of business. I wanted it to be at the top of the alphabet mm -hmm. so that if I was ever listed in a directory, I'd be the first coaching or consulting people came across. And I, it just came to me. I'm like, I should just name it Ask April Porter because in the franchising world, like within the franchisees and the American Association of Franchisees and Dealers, people were always saying, oh, you should ask April that. You should ask oh April that. Oh my gosh, that's great. So. Um, so you were well known in the kickboxing. And then I guess a lot of the shows that I do are, are about marketing. So then you had to market yourself to the rest of the franchise community. Is that largely who you who you help our franchisees? It's actually, I, I love this example because it proves the theory of a niche. Mm -hmm. We market to franchisees and about half our clients are franchisees and half are independent business owners. Interesting. And did you kind of go at it thinking you'd be in, niched in the franchise, but yet other fr small business owners said, you seem smart. You can help me too? Yes. <laughs> Wow. Oh, that's pretty cool. So tell me, I know you do a lot of training. In fact, right before we went live, you said you got a webinar coming up. Talk about how, how what do you do to help small business owners? And we can include franchisees in that. Right. Um, well, I, our mission is to really fill that gap, you know, between the model and that vision of success. Um, and we do it in a way where yes, we make money from it, but that's not our sole purpose. Okay. So, so we have like a Facebook group for franchisee tips and tricks and it's free and people can come in and, you know, just ask a question here, whatever you need. And we've got a community of franchise and business owners that are want to help. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we have free webinars. We do a free large masterclass. We got one coming up in October. That's called the business sanity formula. Mm -hmm. We have our podcast, which is the infinite franchisee. Um, so we're really on a mission again to change the franchising industry and really educate the whole industry on this gap, because ultimately I would love to see the salespeople, the, the franchise consultants and the salespeople in the industry really being transparent with franchisees about the advantage of getting into a franchise is not that you will learn everything. You've right. got a responsibility, but it does give you an amazing kickstart because a lot of the headaches are taken care of for you. There was a, uh, the franchise I was in, one of our franchises, he was about two hours from our corporate office. He was always pitching a fit. Oh, he's pitching about slow sales. And I decided to, what we used to employ mystery shoppers back in the day, right? Well, right. I decided I'm going to go out and I'm, I'm, his name was not Bill. I'll call him Bill. Not, not that he'd be watching me today. So I, I drove out to Bill and I was just going to walk in and sort of mystery shop, although he'd know it was me when I walked in. Bill is sitting in the back watching the baseball game. Huh. He's not not working the store, not doing whatever he needs to, and not making phone calls, not doing anything. He was watching. I said, "Wow, that's interesting." Anyway, that was kind of, I don't know how I brought that. So, listen, 
folks, I want you to know askaprilporter.com is a website. It's a really good blog. You all know that's how I prepare for interviews. I want to ask you about two blog posts, April. Hopefully it's not putting you on the spot too much. One was, <laughs> what is choking the life out of your business? I think that was one of the uh, blog posts. G give us a two-minute version of that. Oh my gosh. I talk about so many different things. I could, honestly, I could have probably pulled anything out of a hat and given it that title, but um, probably what's choking the life out of your business, I would say is um, fear. Mm -hmm. And I, and usually it's a, it's this fear of doing the wrong thing that makes us, um, you know, like paralyzed or it's, yeah, you talked about, I'm going to help you out. You talked oh, about really? the stranglehold of fear, right? Yeah. That it, it's, it's, it's planted on the vine and it just, I'm a yeah. total believer in that. Cause I'm all about the mindset as well. So that helps if that helps you a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So what happens is we, we, we take this big risk to become business owners, right? And that's honestly your bravest day as a business owner is to saying yes, signing on the dotted line, whether it's a lease or a franchise or the inventory purchase or whatever it is that makes you really open your doors. And then from that moment, many business owners fall into this fear that it's not going to work. It's, you know, like now, oh my gosh, it, um, if I, if I invest in this, then I won't have any as much money in my bank account and I won't be able to pay for something else I need. Right. Limited so beliefs. A, yeah. Total limited beliefs. It's total constant fear to the point where we aren't even uh, aware of it as fear any longer. It's just like, I'm making good decisions because I'm not spending my money and we can justify it. And, and it's anytime you're stuck in fear instead of hope or joy, Anytime you're making a decision out of fear instead of opportunity and um, tr investment, you are sliding backwards. You are dying yeah. a slow death. You know, um, I don't know. Do you, if you've worked with, or I'm sure you have, I think there's, a, there's the initial, as you say, the initial joy when you open the business and then I think the, the, the business starts to mature as, as the business owner would what I, I wrote this blog many years ago called, I forget the exact title, but I was talking about bringing back the childlike enthusiasm. Because if you grow, let's say you grow a business and maybe you're doing a half a million or a million dollars a year, you're 10, eight, 10 years in, you have staff, you have other, th now we have overhead and stuff. And you'd see this opportunity to do something spectacular. I don't know, open kickboxing or do something else on the side that might, but you don't do it because you say, I don't want to disturb or put at risk what I have now, which is the risk assessments, the whole part of being a French, uh, mm -hmm. not a, a, an entrepreneur, right? <laughs> you risk here, but then you get to a point and I'm like, well, where, why did you lose that? Where, where did that, you know, childhood enthusiasm go is, do you find that to be true? Oh, a hundred percent. And I think it, be, I think it comes in when people actually put on that business owner hat mm -hmm. and they realize all the different like expertise that you need to juggle as a business owner and that your expertise really lies most likely in the product or service and in the delivery of that to the customer. And so there's, it's like all of a sudden you're in a room of mirrors and all these mirrors are showing you how inadequate you are. Mm. And there's one mirror that says, but you got this one thing, you know, you're really good at your product or service and you're just outnumbered at that point in time. Then 
you're outnumbered by the mirrors that are telling you, yeah, but you don't know how to market. You don't know how to do your business books. You don't know. You didn't know to register with that department with the state. And now you have, you know, um, all those different things like that. We got about three or four more minutes. And I I love the interview, by the way, three or four more minutes. There's one other blog post. Um, Let's see. It was about um, the secret to creating more time. That particularly caught my attention because I think so many entrepreneurs are just time starved. So can you, do you remember that one? Oh gosh. (laughs) We create so much content, Jim, but I I mean, I can wing it. Um, Okay. so if we don't treat it like a quiz, I can give some great advice about creating okay. more time. Um, the uh, the time the the creating more time is really about um, well two things. Number one, as long as you're living in a state of chaos, everything feels urgent. Everything mm. feels like um, it needs your attention right now. And when you have that heightened sense of like, everything's urgent, then it feels like you don't have, yeah, obviously it puts the pressure. You don't have time to do it. So one is finding ways to bring that chaos down, bring more sanity into your life. And that starts to stretch your time. Um, as a business owner, that the key to that is really starting to learn how to um, obviously you guys have probably heard this a million times, but how to delegate and how to lift yourself out of the day to day and start to right. think more strategically. Um, and when you do that, it's amazing. Um, there's a lot of components. You got to trust your team to, to take things over for you. So there's trust component, all of those things, but, That's but, I, said, uh, but I, I can't remember exactly what that one was about. It might've I think it had a boat involved in it. And- oh, then I, I got to go back and read it completely. Oh. <laughs> no, no. I think um, Peg, one of my members of my mastermind was because, you know, I lived in that boat for five years. So oh. just, that, that was the whole reference there. But oh, my gosh, April, I could talk to you for another half an hour. I'll have to get you back someday. How can people connect with you? Um, pretty easy. Ask April Porter unless you want to give somewhere else. No, ask April Porter. Um, and you can find me basically anywhere under ask the, you know, search ask April Porter on any platform and you'll find us. That's Um, awesome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time today, April. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be on. Hey folks, that wraps up this very special interview with my guest, April Porter. And remember you can connect with her at askaprilporter.com. Super duper blog post. That's one of the, that's one of my benchmarks. If somebody wants to be on the show, I'll look at their website and sometimes, okay, it's okay. But I'll look at the blog post. If the last blog post was like April of 2017, not a real serious marketer. April's got a ton of good content up there. So go check her out at askaprilporter.com. You can connect with me, by the way, at getjimpalmer.com, getjimpalmer.com. Remember, if you're interested in joining me and about 24 other very smart entrepreneurs in the Dream Business Mastermind, you can go to dreambizcoaching.com, dreambizcoaching.com. Okay. Now you can get free copies of all six of my books uh, at Amazon, obviously as Kindle, They're in the iBook store, and they're also on Barnes & Noble um, as Nook Books. And once again, the final reminder, you can get the the top three benefits to creating your own virtual lucrative mastermind. I share the whole story about how I did it. Free report. You can get that at lucrativevirtualmastermind.com. But that's it. Until this time next week, another fantastic interview. I am Captain Jim Palmer. I'm the Dream Business Coach, and you take good care. 
Now it's time to go implement what you've learned. Great ideas are nice, but results only happen through action and implementation. So stay focused. Kick all distractions to the curb. Sleep a little less if you have to. And create your dream business now so you too can live your dream lifestyle. To learn about building your dream business, join Jim's free Dream Business Facebook community at dreambizgroup.com. That's dreambizgroup.com. See you next week for more Dream Business Radio.